Welcome to Holy Savior Sermons, bringing you the weekend sermons given at Holy Savior Church. Well, good morning. As we gather here this morning at Holy Savior, we talk about, you know, we gather, grow, and go, that we are growing in Jesus and sharing His love. And we do that part of the time as we gather here for worship as we dive into God's Word. So we're going to kick off a new series for a three-week series for this first part of November called Bring It to the Table, Reconciliation Over Rhetoric. Let's go to our Lord in prayer. Father God, we give you thanks and praise for the gift of this amazing fall day, the gift of your amazing love and grace for us in your Son, Jesus Christ, that, Lord, shapes every aspect of our lives, every relationship, not just our relationship with you, but our relationship with one another and, and, and all others. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you open our ears, our eyes, our hearts to receive your word, that it shapes our lives. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. You know, it's November, and in November, I start thinking a little bit more about family because the holidays are upon us. And you think about family, and maybe you've heard this saying, you know, before, you can't choose your family. And some of you are like, yeah, I know. <laughs> Don't say that too loudly because they're sitting by you, maybe. You know, I, I can't choose my family. And you think about the family that you have. I mean, there are some jokes that we make about that and jokes that you may be familiar with, like, you know, my family is just one tent away from being a circus. Anyone identify with that? Some of you, maybe. You know, or, um, you know, I, I smile because I love you. I laugh because you're family and there's nothing I can do about it. Or maybe this one here, and I don't know who originally said this, but I've seen and heard this many a times before. A family's a lot like fudge, mostly sweet with a few nuts. I mean, maybe you have a few nuts in your family. But you think about family. Family can be a great time, especially, again, as the holidays are upon us. You know, we gather for Thanksgiving. If you've been in the store the last couple of days, you can see that all the Halloween candy is gone. Everything now is Christmas and Thanksgiving. It's a time that we gather together. And so as we dive into God's Word here, we're going to take a look at God's Word and, and, and look at God's Word and the way that it speaks to us in our relationships but part of getting together as a family, especially when we're together maybe in the bigger holiday celebrations, when we're together with a, maybe a lot more family, the people that we're not always together with, and especially under the current kind of climate that many of us feel is part of our lives right now, that we're going to gather together during the holidays with people who don't think what we think about the past or the present or what the future may hold. And how do we work through those potential conflicts? How do we come together as a family, as, as co-workers, as classmates, as friends, as, as a church family? Well, let's take a look here. We're going to read this first portion of Ephesians 2, verse 14. Let's read this together. He himself is our peace, who made two groups one, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Now, he himself, he is Jesus. So Jesus himself is our peace, who made two groups, one, destroyed the wall, the barrier that was dividing us, that caused hostility. That he is our peace and brings peace into our relationships. Well, maybe a little bit of background for Ephesians. You know, Paul writes this letter to this gathering of Jesus' followers in Ephesus. Now, Ephesus, Ephesus was, was, was a booming city. 
It was the hub of business and, and commerce of trade. And so people from all over you know, the world at that time came to live in Ephesus. So you had this, this mixture, this melting pot of language, cultures, worldviews, and religions all gathered there in Ephesus. In fact, Ephesus, you know, historians tell us, represented about 50 different Greek and Roman gods were worshipped there in Ephesus. Not to mention there were other groups as well, including, you know, a group of Jewish, you know, people. And in the mix of all of this, at times there was hostility, there was adversity as they tried to work and live together in this mixed community. And in the midst of this time, you know, Paul is on one of his journeys and he stops in Ephesus. He spends a little over two years in Ephesus. And in the time that he is there, you know, he is successful in his mission work. There are a group of people who begin following Jesus. Some of those are Jewish people, like Paul, Jewish heritage and, and religion, faith. And then there are the Gentiles who are coming from a variety of backgrounds. And they come together and they form this community of Christians, of Jesus followers in Ephesus. So Paul is writing this letter. Sometime after he's been there, probably we think about six years since his visit in Ephesus. And Paul is now in prison. So if you know um, Paul's letters, and Ephesians is one of those letters, it's one of the prison letters. So he's imprisoned by the Romans. He's writing this letter to the group of Jesus followers in Ephesus, this multi-ethnic, diverse community of followers, because there's conflict. And this is also one of those letters that probably didn't just stay in the, with the people in Ephesus. It was also probably shared with other communities of Jesus followers of the churches because you know what? There was conflict. And Paul writes this letter to encourage them to kind of really help pull them together in who they are as followers of Jesus. Now, and as Paul writes these words, he's encouraging them in their faith. And so again, those words he says here, He himself, Jesus, is our peace, who made two groups one, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. This is what Paul is getting at when he's talking about Jesus' death and resurrection. Is this point here. The death and resurrection of Jesus which has created reconciliation for divided people. So Paul is writing to people who are divided. They're, you know, what's going on is that, you know, the, the Jewish people and the Gentile people are now wondering, like, how do we bring some of our diverse ideas together and how do we share this faith and be this community of people? And there was hostility. There was the Jewish people who felt like some of them did, like, well, you have to follow all of the rules that we have to follow to really be a good follower of Jesus. And some of the Gentiles are saying, no, we don't. And, 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 and what, how much do we have to abandon from what we were to what we can bring in to be this community of Jesus followers? So Paul, again, is writing this letter. And as he writes this letter, he's again trying to encourage them to come together, helping them understand you're connecting, you're being this multi-ethnic, diverse community of Jesus followers is the fact that you're connected in Jesus. But I think important here is one word, and not every translation captures it this way, but the one word in Ephesians 2, verse 11, is the one word is, therefore. 
That's an important word. It shouldn't pass over the word therefore. Because what that does, Paul goes on here in Ephesians 11 through 22 that we heard Jill read for us this morning. And says, look, therefore, because you were once separated. You were separated by your differences of religion and culture and, 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 and ethnicity. And you were separated from God at one point. But that's all changed. And that all goes back to that therefore, which takes us back to what Paul said prior to this. Why is all of this changed? What has made that one thing that has made all of this, you know, diversity that we have, this sometimes animosity we've had, that we can have peace and connection with one another? Therefore, and if you know Ephesians, you probably know these verses, because it takes us back to Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Let's read those verses together. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and you had nothing to do with it. Being saved is a gift from God. It is not the result of anything you have done, so no one can boast about it. So what Paul is saying is God's grace. God's grace is, has opened a whole new way for our... Uh, oh boy, I didn't catch that typo. For run. That's a new word. For run. Um, for run. God's grace has, op- <laughs> has opened up a whole new way for us to understand every part of our lives. We talk about God's grace. God's grace is not only, it is definitely God's grace. I am saved by my sins. Paul is saying, look, Jesus died for you. And no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter how many times you have failed and messed up, God has forgiven those sins in Jesus Christ. That his death on the cross and resurrection from the grave assures you you are forgiven and loved by God. Whether you are Jew or Gentile, God forgives you. And that is the connecting point, he says, for us. You are forgiven. So we understand God's grace and his forgiveness. It is a vertical connection we have with God. It is God forgiving us, and we live in this relationship of his grace. But Paul is helping the early followers of Jesus in this city of Ephesus understand that God's grace is not only between God and me. It is God pouring his grace in me and it flows out through me. So it is also horizontal. And it shapes, again, every aspect of our lives. Not just that I am forgiven and I'm going to heaven someday. But every aspect of our lives is shaped by God's grace. Every relationship is shaped by God's grace. God's grace has opened up a whole new way for us to understand every part of our lives. Paul continues the next verse from Ephesians 8, 9, and is verse 10. Let's read these words together. For we are God's handiwork. He has created us in Christ Jesus to live lives filled with good works that he has prepared for us to do. For we are God's handiwork, depending on your translation, it might say his masterpiece, his work of art. God has shaped us, created us to do these good works in Jesus Christ. Now, I'll be honest, often when I think about this, at least, you know, years before, and I think about good works, I thought about the good things that I did. Like, good works. Like, I brought coats for the, you know, the coat collection, which, by the way, you guys did a great job. We collected a lot of coats and hoodies and mittens for three of our area schools. Or that, you know, we helped volunteer for trunk or treat. We met people and gave out candy and got to meet some of the neighbors. You know, or I did something else that was nice for someone else, a good deed. 
But if we go back and think about, again, that God's grace, you know, begins to shape every aspect of our lives, it's not just that I did a good deed. It's everything that I do. It's every relationship that I have. I live that relationship in the grace that God has for me. God's handiwork in us is that God is shaping us by his grace through his son, Jesus Christ. And that's why Paul says these words here in Ephesians 2.14. He himself is our peace who made two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. That Jesus is our peace. Yes, we have peace with God. Paul writes in one of his other letters in Romans, it's one of my favorite passages of, of Romans, where he says, you know, we now have peace with God. He talks about, you know, we were once enemies of God. But even while we were enemies of God, even while we were still sinners, rebelling against God, God loved us. He loved us so much that he sent his son, Jesus, to suffer on the cross, to die, and to rise again. And it's easy for us to think about, you know, again, I am forgiven by Jesus. You know, we think of the children's song that many of us learned growing up. Jesus loves who? Me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And yes, Jesus loves me, but that Jesus loves me is not just right here in my own little bubbly world. That Jesus loves me, again, is a love that pours into me and that is, you know, Paul says, you know, flows out from me into the world, into every relationship, every connection that I have. Whether I agree with those people or not, whether they're the nuts and the sweet fudge, whether they're part of the crazy circus of our family, that we are called to live in and share this love and grace. Again, God's grace has opened up a whole new way for us to understand every part of our lives. So you think about that just for a moment. It's, again, the holidays are upon us. We're going to gather together. And I don't know about you. Um, does everybody you know agree with everything you think and say? Nobody, nobody's hands went up. Anybody have somebody who is kind of radically different than what you think and say about the world, about uh, politics, about how to cook the turkey? Is it roasted, fried, or smoked? And as we gather together, you know, God calls us, you know, not always necessarily to be quiet, you know, but to speak our opinions, but to do so in a way of love and grace. That we are called to bring peace to our world, to our culture. Just as the one who brought peace for us through his death on the cross and his resurrection from the grave. Now, that's easier said than done because we all have opinions. And I think we live in a culture today that teaches us, you know, you should share what you have to say and say it and prove that you're right. But so often we do that, especially as followers of Jesus, I think we fall short of who God has called us to be in Jesus and all that he has given to us. Because ultimately, who is the one that is right? God himself. The one who would have every right to say, these are my rights is the one who gave up all of his rights when he stepped into this world in flesh in Jesus Christ and died for us. 
the one who had every reason to reject us, to say, you are my enemies, you are not behaving and living the way you should be lived, you are not in agreement with me, and and if God says we're not in agreement with him, he's God, so God is always right, and yet still loved us so much that he sent his son. That same God, he continues to love us and forgive us. When we rebel against him again and again, that grace that God gives to us is not just the grace that we hear and in just a few minutes we're going to confess our sins. Hey, your sins are forgiven. That grace is not only the assurance that someday I'm going to be with Jesus in heaven. It's going to be really cool. That grace helps us understand not only ourselves and our relationship with God, but the grace is lived out in our relationship with one another. I think in today's climate, it's even more challenging for us to do so. But more and more, God is calling us as his followers, as this group of those who gather here in his name to live and share his grace, to live and share his love. So if we're going to grow in Jesus and share his love, growing in Jesus is not just I gained a little more knowledge. Look, I know Ephesus now is one of the big hubs of the you know, ancient world. But growing in Jesus means I'm going to continually grow in Jesus. I'm going to continually struggle to say, Lord, I'm going to try to be a person of grace and peace in all of my relationships. That I'm going to try to look at others in the way that you look at me, even when I'm rebellious against you. I'm going to see them in love as you see me, through the eyes of love, through the heart that loved the world so much that you gave your only son. And sharing his love, again, we can do things like trunk or treat. We can get coats and hoodies together. You can go to Poland and teach, you know, youth English and Bible stories. We can also share his love with those who sometimes are the most difficult people for us to share love with because they are family and friends and co-workers and neighbors or people on social media that we talk with. They are people who may not think like we think or agree with the way that we see the world. But they are still people that God loves and people that he calls us to love as we have been loved by him. So a challenge for us as we go into this, not just a new week, but really into this kind of the holiday season, especially again just with the climate that we're in in our nation, in our world, and many of us in our lives, is to identify a specific relationship in which you need to extend forgiveness and peace. Think about that as you prepare to gather with family and friends, as you maybe you know, go back and forth with somebody on social media. Identify a specific relationship in which you need to extend forgiveness and peace. And that forgiveness and peace doesn't come from yourself. That forgiveness and peace comes from the forgiveness and peace that we have in Jesus. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you that just as long ago you gathered a diverse people together to be your people. So you gather us together, Lord to be your people. Gather together in the gifts you give us here today in your word and sacraments. Gather together in the blood that was poured out for us at the cross in your son, Jesus Christ. And we thank you that you share with us your grace and love even while we are still rebellious and sinful. We pray, Lord, that that grace so shapes our lives that every aspect of our lives, every relationship in our lives is shaped by your grace. We pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. For more information about Holy Savior, including service times and location, please visit holysavior.org. 
Thanks for listening, and until next time, God bless.